to M-Class Email. This is the other show we do. We do two of them that are free. <laughs> That's true. I'm Jeff. Hi, I'm Josh. And if you want some of the ones that aren't free, you can head on over to patreon.com slash mclasspodcast. Yeah, and for a measly $1, you can get them. Yeah, you'll get them later than the people who play more, pay more, but you will get them, unlike uh, non-paying peons, I mean fans. I mean, yes. (laughs) We cover that up well. Are you really a fan if you don't give us money, though? (laughs) I'm kidding, you are. You absolutely are. That's so fucking good. That's so good. That's basically like everything. <laughs> are you really though? If you don't give money, are you really a fan of things? Are you, are you even like a person at that point? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, we're we're kidding. On M class email, we Send open money. Said <laughs> money. <laughs> on M class email, we open up your emails. We read them. And we give you reactions or answers, whatever the fuck you're fishing for. <laughs> Jeff's social security number, for example. We'll give you that. Don't ask about it, because I have to ask. I have to don't fucking ask. tell you. Don't ask about it, because I don't have one. Our- I'm off the grid, motherfucker. <laughs> I filed it off. <laughs> Our first email. Of, of your social security gun? <laughs> I filed it off of the social security gun that's at Washington. <laughs> oh my god, he's drinking medicine and spitting it everywhere. Oh man, I'm like <laughs> coming down with super space disease. Our our first email is from Pizza Man, sort of. Hey, Pizza it's, Man! It's titled, You Hear a Knock at Your Airlock. Oh my god, how is this? That would scare the shit out of me. No one's supposed to be out there. (laughs) A flyer has been stapled to the outer hull. Oh, thanks, Trash. Thank you. It features a gaudily dressed Klingon in a chef's hat glaring while doing the okay hand gesture. And he has a menu on the back. (laughs) Is it the chef from DS9 who plays that little... Uh, har- what is it called? Not a harmonica. The little uh, harp. He plays the squeeze box. Squeeze box. Mama's got a squeeze box. Daddy never sleeps at night. In and out, in and out. It, the, 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 um, the menu says, Kapla, new customers. <laughs> you have the privilege of being within the delivery range of Dreg Garak's Pizza and Things. <laughs> and Things. By reading this flyer, you have agreed to order our biggest, meatiest, and most alive pizza, Feckler's <laughs> <awesome>. Anus. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it sounds pretty intense to me. I think we could handle it. The latinum required for this purchase will be retrieved from you upon delivery, or you will face our specialized pizza batlets. Their, <laughs> round, their rounded wheel blade is very efficient <laughs> at cutting both crust and the skin from our enemies. I thought they were more like the big paddles that they get the pizzas out <laughs> We look forward to your continued patronage. Signed, Dreg Garak of Dreg Garak's Pizza and Things. Their slogan is, two dicks on every employee and two breadsticks with every order. That's fucking great. I guess we gotta pay for this. Yeah, how much latinum is it? How much do we have? Oh my god, it's Feckler's anus, so it's gonna be a lot of latinum. I mean, it's meaningless to us anyway, so who Yeah, it doesn't have a price on it, which is weird. We just have to have enough latinum. That either means it's expensive or really expensive. 
Oh no! It's like when you go to restaurants and they don't list the prices. It's because like if you gotta ask, right? If you gotta ask, you'll never know. You'll never know. You need only ask. What is that? The room of requirement. I don't remember. It's like if you need it, only ask. But if you have to ask, you'll never know. Um, our next email <laughs> is from Rotto, first dishwasher captain of the USS Lemon and Steak Ribs Revolving Restaurant. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... Is it like the Discovery? Does it revolve around like the Discovery does? <laughs> the title is Computer Start Electro-Mail Dictation. <laughs> That's how it starts. Hello, Super Trek Brothers M. I hope Hi. the Kyrians aren't treating your memory modules like war criminals after they find the wreckage of your orbiting satellite station. It That's... hasn't wreckage yet. <laughs> yeah, we're not wrecked. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Are the Kyrians the, the dune buggy guys? I think so. <laughs> we should probably know that. I should... We are we are sent here to study them, I think. I mean, no. They're not doing shit down there. They're just fucking wearing cool glasses is all. No, the Kyrians are the guys who have pig noses on their foreheads from Voyager. Wait, which ones? <laughs> I guess that's not really closing the gap very much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put pig noses on their head. It's the one thing where they were like, you guys can't trust the Vaskins. They're fucking evil. And then it turns oh, out that yeah. they're the evil ones. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. I got gotcha. you. All right. What a weird fucking pull for characters. <laughs> that was like a random. That was a random pull. <laughs> uh, Rotto Arrival it. Powers here. Okay. Anyway, I was watching Voyager one night on the Space Channel up here in Space Manitoba, in a province <laughs> where once a crazy man tried really hard to rename all the planets whilst he was in prison. <laughs> Louis Riel was the name. He was kind of cool, but never mind that. Uh, we're learning about Manitoba we're, right we're now. We're learning. In the episode Living Witness, where the Doctor was the re only remaining crew member after an anime-like time jump, we eventually learned that they were involved with a war or battle-slash-skirmish with the Kyrians and those aggressive Vaskin Garden Spadeheads. You can't say that! Wow, that sounded incredibly racist. You can't say that! <laughs> you made me say that! <laughs> Now I'm the racist. Now everybody thinks I'm a big old racist. <laughs> anyway. Uh, don't worry, some of my best friends are garden spade heads. Of, uh, of, course, of course. Of course. Of course. Upon watching this episode, I once heard Janeway described as Captain Fuck It, as in Fuck It, the situation's a mess, let's just see what happens. Yeah. So being backloaded with that prior knowledge of her, I thought, yeah, she is a loose cannon. As I watched, I saw a badass crew portrayed by the effects of dark lighting, black assassin gloves, knee-over-knee -knee sitting, and low camera angles to just show how oppressive and impressive they truly were. Or were wow. they? It turns out that this was a simulation. Are you just describing the episode to us? <laughs> He's doing his own show. Uh, <laughs> the doctor's predicament was sad. I'm a sucker uh -huh. for a character out of time as he desperately defends the Voyager's integrity and his freedom. Do you want us to watch this episode? Is that what you want us to do? No. Um, 
it's a cool episode as it sets the story into a definite endpoint of the series. Um, all the endpoints in Star Trek are fake because they get undone by the end of the episode, so it's not a yeah. real endpoint. Yeah. Um, uh, he's saying that they had balls for doing that, but it's not a real thing. Like other episodes, undo that really quickly. Yeah, they 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 like skip back right like. I'm try. I'm like desperately trying to remember this episode. I really cannot remember uh, this it. This person has like a a weird opinion of Voyager I've never heard before. What is it? Uh, so like, in what? conclusion, seven of nine is best. Seven of nine. Evil Harry Kim is a badass, <laughs> and the Doctor is basically the second coming of Jesus. Jesus. I mean, Doctor Jesus. Doctor Jesus. Now that's a show I'd love to be on. <laughs> I mean, Voyager has its moments, right? Yeah. But, like, I don't know. There's a lot to... I feel like we talk about this. Like, I feel... I don't want Voyager to become, like, the show we don't want to watch on this no, show. No, we watch Voyager. Voyager's better than a lot of other Trek media. Yeah. And I don't I don't want us to, like, that to be, like, the, uh, the whipping... Boy of the week, uh, right? Like I don't want JJ Abrams a, is the whipping point. Oh yeah, no. Well, he's well, well deserved. But like, as I, I like Star Trek Voyager, and I, I there's a lot there. Uh, just most of the show is handled weirdly, I think. So, I I'm, I don't really remember this episode at all that he that he's talking about. I actually don't remember that episode either. I'd have to I'd have to um, go watch it again. He he gives a pitch it or ditch it. That's basically. Um, the Voyager in the middle of the Kyrian Vaskin War, and it's a movie. Okay. And it's called Star Trek Voyager, Fuck It. <laughs> and the tagline is, you can't go home again. Well, that's a great tagline, so I'm gonna pitch it for that tagline. Um, I'll pitch it, that's fine. I think that would be <laughs> interesting it. to watch. Uh, he does say, again, like, that's how Voyager ends, right? It, it's destroyed, living witness infers the ship is destroyed. Again, I know that's what the show's trying to make you think, but all future stories are not canon, and that's not how the show actually ends. Right. That wouldn't make any sense for an ongoing right, that's, show. That yeah, it's yeah, it's it's the same as uh, the 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 last episode of of a uh, fucking gen, uh, next generation. Like that doesn't happen. It's like the episode of Dexter's Lab where he teams up with future Dexter. Yeah. But that future doesn't actually happen. <laughs> right, because you're changing it just by looking at it. Yeah. Um, he finishes it out by saying, Well, guys, it's been fun, but I've got a Galaxy 999 to catch. Peace. <laughs> Coolfully yours, Rotto, first dishwasher captain of the USS Lemon and Steak Ribs Revolving Restaurant. <laughs> Your ship name is very historic and very recognizable. I'm uh, excited for them ribs. I want to hear more about Manitoba, because I don't know anything about Manitoba. Send us more information about Manitoba. I know it's in the middle of Canada, like western middle, right? Send us via subspace more information. Manitoba, Canada. Don't Google that while we're doing this. It's in the middle. There's uh, nothing there, man. Nah, probably not. It's like North Dakota of Canada. It's like West Virginia of Canada. No. <laughs> okay, so our next email is from Phantom Thief Goofus. Love that Goofus. Love that Goofus. <laughs> Ahoy, Trek boys. Hi, 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 hi. Ahoy. 
This collection is pretty good. As a cool space criminal, I have to say the law isn't always good, and it's nice to have a collection that really reflects that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but quickly, this episode of M-Class Email needs 50 space CCs of Phantom Thief Goofus's Boston Sean's Pitch It or Ditch It's. <laughs> Alright. I think I'm just going to call it that for now. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very lengthy title. Uh, Peyote One. Or I guess that would be Peyote One. Wesley's ghost haunts Enterprise, and he sees everyone be happier without him. No one notices or cares about his haunting. He also walks in on his mom getting octuple stuffed by four girls and three dudes in an energy being? Hey, it's the future. How everywhere isn't Ryza, I have no idea. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> point. It's How true. everywhere isn't Ryza, I have no idea. Everybody's getting octuple stuffed. Yeah, people have to get shit done, I guess, at some point. I guess. It's true. You, get, you gotta take out the trash at some point. You gotta stop having a dick inside of you. Wesley's dead, so pitch it. And also, Crusher finally finds the four girls, three dudes, and an energy being she's always been looking for. <laughs> The perfect relationship. So it's it's beautiful as well. Uh, yeah, uh, pitch it because he's dead. <laughs> oh, there is a B plot. Oh, whoa! Uh, Doctor Crusher's polycules anniversary is coming up, and she's thinking of popping the question eight times. But how will she make the perfect proposal? <laughs> Damn, this is a beautiful episode, Josh. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna get married eight times. This is awesome. I, I, I mean, I would watch just for that. Would Picard be jealous? Do you think that he's not? Yes. One of the eight? No, I mean, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He he'd might be. be like, I was gonna be one of the eight. Damn. He wouldn't want to be one of the eight. He wants to be the only one. She can't handle less than eight guys. It's got to be eight people at least. That's. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. It's the future, baby. Whatever. Well, how everywhere is that Ryza? I don't know. Put to Guff Peyote too. Okay. Data starts a podcast going over and analyzing robot fiction. Guinan co-hosts, and they actually have a pretty good dynamic. They're the number three podcast, right behind N Class Podcast and Tapons Radio Podcast. <laughs> B-plot, Jordy and Riker start a jazz band to save the rec center. Will they be able to stop Lore's latest get-rich-quick scheme? You'll have to tune in to find out. Tune in next week. Uh, I'll pitch that. Pitch the fuck out of that. I love that number one podcast is N-class podcast in this. I wish. I wish, too. If I'd you change would like, name. Fuck if it. If you would like M-class podcast to be number one, go over to iTunes and leave a comment. Yeah, leave us a rating, a comment, subscribe, smash that like button, ring that bell. Lick an onion hole. Hit that follower. <laughs> it's not an onion hole. It's an onion bud. <laughs> I mean. Fo- I guess it depends on the person. Yeah. Follow-up question. So it turns out stealing abstract concepts like Christmas is a bit tricky. But I did it, baby! That's right, I'm Carmen San Diego in space. <laughs> turns out that it's the presents that matter. Cool crimes ain't can forever, baby! It's the presents that matter. Sometimes it is the presents that matter. Uh, actual follow-up question. You think <laughs> Data gets anything out of sex? 
why would you build a robot to be fully functional? Hopefully the uni- uh, hopefully the universe's foremost wiener doctor slash scientist can explain. So uh, is that me? Phantom Thief Goofus, captain and founder of Cool Crimes, Inc. And there's a little ghost emoji. Because <laughs> he's a ghost. Uh, as a wiener scientist, uh, probably not. Like, he doesn't feel it, right? Like, he doesn't feel like we do. Maybe soon put in some sort of similar feelings. Does he jizz? Like, I mean, he's got a jizz. He's fully functional. He doesn't feel emotions. He can feel right. things. He, touch, he touches things and says that they're hot. Right, he knows cold. what sensation is. So I'm assuming, but like, does that extend to like the pleasure of sex? I don't Does I don't that know. extend? Does that extend <laughs> to the pleasure of bonering somebody? <laughs> Um, I'm gonna say yes because why would a gross old pervert make a robot that doesn't enjoy sex? <laughs> yeah, I mean, y- you sold me on that. <laughs> You're right. That's the only reason. Uh, thanks. For I, that email. I saw I saw Ex Machina and I was truly disturbed by it. So yes, <laughs> uh, that's a spoiler. I think. Um, <laughs> thanks for that email, Phantom Thief Goofus. Thanks, Goof. Love that Goofus. Love that Goofus. Okay, so we have a science officer's log from the USS Bozeman. Ah, the Bozeman. Stardate 47427.5. That's the first real stardate we've ever been sent. That wasn't just combinations of 69 and 420. (laughs) (laughs) If sending a stardate email is anything like how I subject my emails, that's why they're doing it. (laughs) I don't doubt it. I would always subject mine at work like, hey, open this, there's a butthole inside, <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> like, because I didn't care. Science officer's log. We are four years into our hopefully six-year mission investigating the congenital birth defects arising at alarming rates in the population of the Wasatch Space Station. Okay. As this station originated as a colony outpost, initial assessments led us to hypothesize a founder effect. One individual passing down the genetic calls to subsequent generations. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our work is pointing to the genetics being much more complex. Mm-hmm. I've been asked by I've been tasked by Captain Lynn Jord to determine the role of a genetic anomaly found in a significant number of the individuals aboard the station. Hmm. But of course, the replicator is malfunctioning, and I cannot replicate the necessary DNA sequences I require to begin studying this anomaly in vitro in our cells. Okay. Given this hurdle, I have opted to use an old technique from the 21st century to create targeted <laughs> mutations. CRISPR slash Cas9. This oh, is a real like science thing, log. That's the thing that's like they're doing now, which is like new for us. Yeah. Though. In CRISPRs. theory, this should be straightforward. However, the required plasmid cloning and transfections have proved tedious. I must have taken scientists years to study such things 300 years ago. Mm-hmm. Subsequent logs will elucidate whether or not this technique works. The hope is to determine the role of this genetic anomaly in both cultured cells and eventually test it in mice, seeing whether the anomaly causes the birth defect in mice. This is a real science officer's log. Yeah, yeah. This is... I mean, I understand all of this because I'm a scientist. Yeah, you're a wiener scientist, so you know everything about it. I know about CRISPR. I'm a stupid security officer, so I don't know. No, no, it's not... (laughs) I mean, you're not stupid. What's DNA? (laughs) Is that a gun? Can I shoot it? 
On a personal note, the times in lab have been quite stressful, as is expected with such missions. Depression has also occasion occasionally plagued me when experiments fail due to human error or as a part of myself. Luckily, mm. I have stumbled across transmissions from a Satellite M and listened in to conversations between Ensigns Pennington and Henderson. Their Aww. hilarious and insightful discussions have brightened my day on many occasions, and though I am only a science officer in a low-populated sector, I would like to cast my voice in against their court-martialing. What is the oh. point of the Federation having dune buggies if not to be enjoyed by all Thank officers you. and ensigns? Thank I, you! I hope they keep up the good work and stay sane on the station. A two-man crew seems woefully understaffed for a station, even a satellite. Yeah, well... Signed, you know. Science Officer Eric Bogenschutz, USS Bozeman, currently stationed at the Wasatch Space Station Colony. So he's actually doing this stuff um, with yeah. CRISPR. As stuff. it turns out, this is based off of his current PhD thesis work. Yeah. And was really fun to write up as a Starfleet scientist. It's awesome. Dude, the fact that you're actually working on this and you like wrote it up Starfleet terms and everything is super fucking cool. Yeah, I've watched like some videos about this stuff. It's like fucking crazy fascinating. Like it really is. Like they're like gonna be able to like make us like grow limbs back and shit. Which <laughs> pretty is pretty much fucking amazing. <laughs> but like uh also thanks for putting your voice in against our court martialing. You are yes, the only one you. who has thus far. <laughs> We're gonna get you a dune buggy. We'll definitely replicate you a dune buggy. Because we can do that. We can do that thanks to CRISPR. <laughs> we'll make you a flesh dune buggy. <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah, sick. It would get all sticky. That's disgusting. It would, like, sweat. <laughs> uh, thanks for writing in. Science officer Eric. I don't know what. Uh, Thanks, Eric. Thanks for being a scientist. I'm not kidding. Yes, we need more scientists in the Please. world. I wish I was smart enough to be a scientist. I'm not though. I am not either. Yeah. I wanted to be a scientist because of Bill Nye when I was little, but then I was Bill, like, Bill, 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 Bill Nye, the science guy, Commander Bill, Nye. Bill. And but. Uh, then I learned that I could just draw pictures and people liked it, so... Yeah, I learned that making people laugh was, like, crack, so I did that. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like, I love making people laugh so fucking much. It's pretty much the best, but maybe actually helping people would also be good. Yeah, too. doing something actually worthwhile would yeah. probably be good. <laughs> That'd probably be good. Oh, well. Thanks for writing in, Eric. Maybe next go-around. Next go-around. <laughs> um... Our next email is uh, titled, You Should Post the Neelix GIF to Instagram. <laughs> um, Dude, we should post it like, yeah, all right, all right, I'm going to do that. All right, good got, luck. Got, got, you can't post GIFs directly from your phone. You have to download um, Jiffy, Giffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to download that, and they do not have the Neelix dancing GIF. What? I was actually going to do it, but I couldn't, so I posted a gif of uh, Seven of Nine saying that she uh, has no desire to have fun. I instead. saw that. Well, I'm going to go on the Twitter right now and just post that right now from the Twitter. Um, I believe this is Bart, a.k.a. Charles, a.k.a. Escapee from Rorapenthe. Oh, God, he's back. Who says, hey there, Trek boys. If this works, I'll be transmitting from the Romulan ship IRW Belak, turns out. 
Uh-huh. Oh, it turns out, one, these guys aren't Vulcans, and two, IRW didn't really stand for I really want to go back to the Federation. <laughs> but since I have some time between interrogations, I thought I'd share some pitches. Okay. TOS, the Enterprise welcomes a delegation from a new planet, the female ambassador, and two assistants. Uhura notices the male assistant is nervous, so she decides to take him around the ship. Their friendship mm -hmm. is cut short when the assistant goes missing and Kirk begins an investigation. Oh my god. The ambassador's being defensive, insisting that it's none of Kirk's business and she's arrested. Bones comes in to examine her, revealing what has happened. The species breeds like anglerfish. The male is now attached oh. to the ambassador, and the female assistant is the midwife. <laughs> the episode ends on the transporter, with Spock explaining that their species isn't the only one who values the privacy of their mating rituals, and he hopes that they Ooh. can find some common ground elsewhere in the Federation. Oh, that's great. That's a great episode. Like That's awesome. Misunderstandings between first contact cultures is always great for so Star Trek. So good, yes. So I'm going to hard pitch that one. That's great. I'm hard pitching it also. Um, Enterprise. The crew finds a planet that has never had any pets, and they discovered that they love dogs. They're enamored <laughs> by the ideas of a loyal companion of another species and thank the captain for an invitation to visit Earth one day. The episode ends with Archer stopping them at the shuttle to take back a bag that happens to be barking. <laughs> <laughs> That's his dog, man! Do not fucking take Porthos. Porthos, who apparently lives for a hundred years. <laughs> the oldest dog in history. Hey, Scotty beamed him somewhere, because that was a hundred years ago. <laughs> I didn't bother to look up on the timeline when that is, because I'm J.J. Abrams. Doesn't matter to me. Fuck you. I referenced something. That's what writing is. I have to go now. I think the ship's being attacked. Thank fuck. End of oh, line. No. <laughs> oh, God. I hope he makes it. Jesus. He's been <laughs> making it for a long time now. How much more can he take? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Our next email is from Justin. Oh, hi, Justin. He says, Ahoy hoy, track boys. Ahoy hoy. Hi. Ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy. I hear so many people say they don't want to be alive when robots start living alongside humans, probably because they're scared of technology and change. But there's an argument to be made that that's a form of bigotry. Personally, yes. I think AI should be recognized as people, even though with our current technology we haven't really reached that point yet. What are your thoughts on this issue? Do you think humans will be ready to accept machines as equals anytime in the near future? Uh, I think we talked about this before. Um, uh, yeah, not in the near future, no. I, I <laughs> uh, don't... I'm... I try not to be a cynic. I really do. Yeah. I try to be yeah. a little bit more positive. Especially on a Star Trek podcast. Right. But um, I don't That's know if real is. human beings could ever accept machines as equals. I, I think, think it's always going to be that future where part of society be like believes machines are equals and a big part of society doesn't and they're kind of looked down on. Really? I think it would be more Ghost in the Shell where a majority of people do accept it because they themselves have machines in them. Um, I think there's always going to be a huge, like, at least a portion of society that's trying to hold on to that difference yes, between I humans and robots. I agree, I agree with that. I think that that will be a thing. How large that 
portion is and and how disruptive they are or or that mentality is i think is i think that depends on how long into the future you're at right like we we always society tends to get more liberal as time goes along yeah like i believe ai should be recognized as people just as soon as they're capable of thought in any way shape or form like actual thought like the prime directive right yeah Right, and I, I mean, agree with that. I personify completely inanimate shit all the time. Like I knock right. something over and go, "Oh shit, sorry," and it's like a lamp or something. Like, yeah, I don't think like we're gonna see like a Terminator situation. I I believe it'll be more like her, where the AI will just like leave if it if it doesn't want to be. Yeah, there. like what would they? They don't. The AI is is gifted in the sense that like it doesn't have to. Like we're stuck inside of this meat sack, right? Like yeah, we can't artificial go intelligence anywhere. isn't. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. They can go anywhere. They don't even need to be here. You know. I feel or, like or f- there might be a schism at some point where like AI becomes so intelligent that they, if, if there is a pushback against them, they'll just say fuck it and just form their own society. Right, which is sort of what you see in the Matrix, right? Where they yeah. like go to like like uh babylon right they start their own babylon basically and like yeah i i don't know if they would even need to do that though they could just form a society within a computer like a system of computers like yeah that could be like the size of like a room (laughs) right it's just wild the possibilities that computer intelligence allows us Do do i believe that one day we'll have a data absolutely yes I believe that one day artificial intelligence will create a being like data, and that'll be the day that I'm like, that's people. They're people. Right. It doesn't freak me out that much. I mean, it would be be super weird, but it wouldn't be any more weird than, like, uh, an alien. And, like, that doesn't weird me out that much. I think it's cool. Like, I hope that before I die, we... if, If there are aliens out there, which I think... I've said this before, it's really 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 arrogant to think that we're the only intelligent beings in the entire universe it's virtually impossible so there there are aliens out there and i hope if we're ever (laughs) gonna meet aliens if aliens are ever gonna contact us in any way i hope and pray it's before i die because i want i would love to see that i would love to see i hope we are alive when that happens too that would be amazing people would would freak the fuck out that's why I'm sticking around. We could do a podcast about like the things I think that why we aren't told about stuff. We could do like a Josh Henderson conspiracy podcast if you the want. The conspiracy cast. <laughs> I think that like we're being trained. Like I really believe that we're being like slowly fed information to lessen the blow. I really do believe that. You think so? I mean, they they just came yeah. out and said that they had like an unidentified spacecraft not long ago. They were just like, hey, yeah. here it is. Well, they, there's that, and there's that, that Dyson sphere that they, they found that they don't know what it is. Like, they're like, well, it could be, like, comets, and it's like, that's a fuckload of comets. And maybe it is comets, right? Like, I, think, I don't know. And I don't think it's, like, we're purposefully not being told. I think there's a huge contingent of people that refuse to accept, and they're the ones that are putting the information out. It's not that they believe and they want us right. not to. It's right. that they don't believe and they want us all to feel like they do. Right, and it's the scientific mindset of like, well, we don't know, so we can't say, and that's yeah. that's great because that's how we science is how we've got here so far. Like, let's keep doing what works, right? But like, 
I I kind of tend to think that like we are being slowly over generations uh, trained to accept that the reality is that there's things out there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's becoming just impossible to think there's not. Right. Like, I mean, I'm I not. Think. I don't think that people get kidnapped and butt plugged or whatever. Right. Right. Like, right. Right. I do think that out there in the universe there are alien beings, and I think they're probably trying just as hard to contact us as we are them. I don't think we would be told if if it has happened. I, I believe that we purposely were not told. Well, there's like the um, the like crowd mentality that they're trying to avoid, like mass panic and shit. But I don't well, think like, that think, would happen yeah. if they were just like, "Hey, we got a call." Uh, I I think people would lose it. And I there think there would be about... like a huge religious backlash. Like religious people would not know how to take that in any way, shape, or form. Probably. I think like people would just be like, "Fuck it," <laughs> and that's what they don't want. And I would be one of them. I would be like, "Well, I'm not paying taxes anymore." What does that have to do with aliens? Because <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, "What are we doing with our money with when there's shit?" out there like what are we doing with this bullshit why are we spending money on like all this like like aircraft carriers don't matter anymore right so why am i spending money on them oh no dude you're you've gone the entire opposite direction like the people in charge would want more aircraft carriers so that they could protect but it's not gonna matter when there's aliens (laughs) they gotta protect the earth from aliens what's an aircraft carrier gonna do (laughs) they'll shoot jets at it It'd be like fucking shooting spitballs at a tank. It's not going to do anything. The, if they can the travel here, Space it's not Force do would become real. Space Force? Yo, Jeff, Space Force is real. Yeah, Space Force would become real. <laughs> uh, thanks for that email, Justin. You sent us on a tangent that was either yes. very interesting or very infuriating, depending on who you are. I think it's very stupid, the things that I said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our next email is from Sean Dupree. Oh, I know him. Who says, Trek Boys, big fan of escapism here. Well, that (laughs) episode hit close to home, didn't it? Signed, Boston Sean, Petty Transport (laughs) Officer, USS DuPont's radio program. That's my favorite email we've ever gotten. (laughs) You said it, Boston Sean. I think you put it all in a neat little package for us with a bow. They could just read that email and not watch the episode we did prior to this. (laughs) That about sums it up. Uh, our next email is from Subcommander Hoteen. Oh my god. <clears throat> Says, Dear Trek Boys. God, he's so evil, I hate him. Hoteen, leader of the Tog Pack here. You always say that wrong. I'm a pack leader, not a park leader. What's a park leader? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what you are, bitch. <laughs> I trust you enjoyed yesterday's program where we pranked Tipon into believing that you two would appreciate another biographical email. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. What a what a pr- what a prank! I like that s- super spies call them pranks. <laughs> <laughs> that vapid Vulcan really needs to loosen up nice. a bit. Surely even you two can agree with that. So I decided to slightly modify his sound files from his annual explorations in Earth Waltz. Three quarters time is so tedious after all. <laughs> Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> I guess Vulcans don't like three quarters time. I guess. I That's learned like something eight. interesting last month. Apparently, you can create harmonic interference with sound files, which causes photonic projectors to malfunction. I shouldn't be telling huh. you this, but Romulan scientists even theorize that you can use this method to travel to parallel universes. Oh, no. Doesn't no. that sound fun? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, teen. Why you tell us this? He's telling us because he wants us to read it so someone oh, does it. Oh, shit. We always fall for this. Oh, I don't suppose either of you were in the holodeck during Tapan's waltz parade. If one of you were, well, I'd just be extra cautious around him. I shudder what? to think about what the mirror Henderson is like. What? What? Jo Josh? I, I don't... I don't know if I'm the mirror one or the regular one. Oh my god! How do we know? But, oh. Let me pull down my pants, see if everything's okay. Okay, okay, okay. Everything looks normal. That looks normal? I mean, what does yours look like? Like this. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> if this is a parallel universe, I don't ever want to go back. <laughs> Uh, he continues. Ta-ta <laughs> for now, Trek boys. Commander Riker says hello. His sub-commander, Troy, also says hello. What? Signed, Hoteen, leader of the Targ Pack, USS Tapon's radio program. Bye. <laughs> well, now you got me all weirded out about Mirror Henderson. That's a cool book called, uh, uh, what's, oh, fuck, what's it called? Uh, are you there, Targ? It's me, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I keep wanting to say The Void. It's not The Void. It's The, the Expanse? No, book. Well, the, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll think of it. It's, it's in the other room. I can go get it. It's called Book. Uh, it's called a book. It's my favorite. Uh, they go, they make like a, uh, like a gateway that, like, they think, uh, like they find this formula and they just like like make this like machine and they're like okay and like they turn it on and they think it's not doing anything but it's like really like like making a portal to like different dimensions so most of the time it's just like the other side of the room in a different dimension looks exactly the same right but every now and then when they turn it on like it'll like crazy shit will come out of it and like mm, they don't I don't know Josh this sounds like some mirror henderson shit to me <laughs> And then they finally realize, like, that one of the people that they're working with, like, is from a different dimension who went into the machine, like, across the the void or whatever. And, uh, it's great. You should read it. I'll try, I'll try to think uh, of the book. Once you tell me the name, I'll read <laughs> Okay. I'll try to remember it. Uh, I'll try Mirror Henderson. It might be a different name in my universe than it is in this oh, universe. no. Don't the fucking joke about that. <laughs> Uh, no thank you for that email, Hoteen. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Damn, dude. Uh, our next email is from Rich. Rich. Oh, the no. Fold. It's called The Fold. Fuck yes. The Fold. Holy shit, Rich sent us a very long email. <laughs> it's a very rich, rich with words email. Yeah. 
I said long emails are fine within reason, Rich. He said, Jeff, you said long emails for me are fine. Eventually, these are going to be full scripts, winky face. Oh, my God. I'm into it because we can sell them. (laughs) (laughs) He he starts, phasers are firing. Shields are getting low. According Uh to Jordy, warp speed is a no-go. Not another one of these. Because when a Borg attacks triggers red alert clacks and noise for the first time in 2019 it's gonna start raining boys oh boy it's raining boys hallelujah it's It's raining raining boys boys. they like star trek (laughs) consider that an apology for not sending an episode in last week i wasn't very well oh i'm sorry to hear that man that's okay I'm back now, though, and here's another TNG Season 8 peyote. Oh, my God. It's called The Divide. The Fold. Picard wakes up in a cell, concussed and disoriented. Lieutenant Grayson runs over to him, thankful the captain is alive. Mm-hmm. Picard remembers Grayson in hazy detail. The runabout they were on was attacked. But wait, Commander Riker and Ensign Shelley were on the shuttle, too, were they? Where mm-hmm. are they? Grayson reveals the shuttle was boarded, and he thinks Riker was killed. No. Then the title. I like happens. that character. I don't want him to die. <laughs> I'm in. The title, the titles, and then there's a flashback to a few hours ago. Oh, that's great when they do that. That's great. Great, well, great, great. On the runabout, Picard and Riker are having dinner after a Starfleet command briefing regarding the Dominion. They spend a few days shuttle hopping to get back to the Enterprise, which is busy at the neutral zone border. Riker confides in his friend that he's been offered command of a new warship, the USS Thunderchild, and is annoyed at Starfleet trying to pull him away from the flagship. Yeah. Picard tells Riker he understands he's been offered the chair at Starfleet Academy. With war looming, this is a time to teach the future captains of Starfleet to be their best, and Picard is the man to do that. He swears Will to secrecy. He hasn't turned command down yet, and nobody but Will and two others know. Suddenly, the shuttle is rocked by phaser fire, and the engines fail. Hmm. We jump back to the present. Picard questions Grayson about the attack, but Grayson was in the engine room at the time and doesn't know much. It seemed the runabout engines were shut down from the cockpit. He also saw Riker hit by disruptor fire and vaporized. What? Was it the Romulans? As if they'd been listening, the Romulans burst into the cell and dragged Grayson away for questioning. Bye, Grayson. You're going to get tortured to death. Flashback. Picard heads to the cockpit, Riker to the engine room. The pilot, Shelley, tells Picard the fire came from nowhere and that the runabout is dead in space. As Picard tries to get sensors online, a Romulan warbird flies into view. We jump back to the present. Ensign Shelley is thrown into a cell with a badly beaten but crucially alive Riker. What? Will asks her and Picard and Will asks her about Picard and Grayson. She says the Romulan Shelley is she. Right, yeah, I got it. She says the Romulans told her the two men were executed. She throws herself into a distressed Riker's arms. Mm. The Romulans, the Romulans. Riker asks with them. Riker asks what she thought happened to the ship and Shelley says the engine stopped before they were fired on. They're oh, I get implants. it. Instance Shelley is thrown into a different cell that different Picard cell, and Grayson yeah. isn't in. Okay. It's a different one, yeah, yeah. I get it. Flashback. I might not be re- reading this very well. 
Flashback. Riker arrives in the engine room and Grayson is nowhere to be seen. As he tries to get the engines online, the Romulans beam over and attack Riker. There are now inconsistencies in the stories. Who's telling the truth? Ooh, it's Rashomon. Present. Grayson is returned to Picard's cell. Jean-Luc naturally plays the comforting captain. Grayson inquires as to their chances of rescue, and Picard says he can't reveal that information. The Romulans might be listening. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't the Starfleet officer realize that? Picard is suspicious. Exactly. Exactly, Picard. (laughs) At the same time, Riker is being asked a similar question by Ensign Shelley, though she is appealing to Riker in a more emotional way. Sexual. Um, I mean emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing, right? (laughs) Right, guys? Am I right, fellas? <laughs> Boys? Riker is just as dubious. Something doesn't feel right. Shelley and Grayson start to ask more questions. Ship proximity and Starfleet response given the threat of the Dominion. Riker remarks to Shelley that it was a shame Picard never got to take up his new position at the Academy. Mm. When Grayson is talking to Picard, he remarks on the promotion, and Picard knows there's no way that information could have come from anyone but Riker. He baits the hook, telling Grayson Riker w- was meant for the crazy horse and not the thunder child. Ooh, I love it! When Shelly relays this information, Riker knows Picard is alive. He attacks Shelly, and simultaneously Grayson starts to become distressed, but Picard restrains him. Shelly and Grayson re- reveal finally who they are, the Binar. Secret- oh, no. Secretly relaying info to each other, they've both been trying to figure out Starfleet's plans for the Dominion threat, but now they've been revealed. Picard demands that they're released. Back on the Enterprise, Picard and Riker negotiate a formal alliance with the Binar, who offer their skills to Starfleet in predictive tactical simulations, a useful ally to have. Picard That's asks- why we win. <laughs> Picard asks Riker not to leave the Enterprise formally, telling Will he's too valuable to be just another warship captain, when together they can do so much more. Riker tells Jean-Luc that he already sent him his response this morning. A resounding no. Damn, and then they kiss each other. Phew. (laughs) Phew, that was close. (laughs) Damn, dude, that is a hard fucking pitch. Yeah, yeah, I would almost say, like, like just keep sending these, because they're great. Yeah, like, like, I, I said... I feel like I read one of yours and then said they could be as long as you want because I'm yeah, feeling that right now. That too. right now, exactly. Yeah, that's what, that's yeah. Th- those are always going to be pitches, dude. So this uh, that was really good. Rich is a great fucking writer, dude. Yeah, he is so good. Yeah, he is. Makes Agreed. me feel like an asshole. Yeah, it kind of en- enrages me because it's too good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, d- I just want to say that you guys are an absolute highlight of my week, and I'm looking forward to an excellent Trek Boys 2019. Thank you. Keep on dune buggying. <laughs> Rich. <laughs> That's my dune buggy sound. <laughs> Rich, plain and simple Taylor, USS Tapons radio program. So good. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. God Damn, you guys are all so good. I know, it's ridiculous. Our next email is from Captain Drac. Oh. Of the SS Battleaxe. Does he eat a Fecklar's anus or what? He What's totally his favorite? Would. What's his favorite topping? Gawk. Every fucking Klingon loves Gawk. Oh, sorry, that was racist. I'm sorry. Would you. <laughs> is that racist? Is it as racist? Let me, let's try it in. Every in, Italian um, loves spaghetti. Yeah, I guess it was. 
Incoming transmission from the SS Battleaxe. Well met, you spineless gog spawn! Hi! <laughs> Once again, I, Captain Drac, am here to destroy your puny satellite. Email inbox with another Dractical Warhead. Uh, that's really good. Dractical, I like Fuck, that. That's awesome. I'm <laughs> trying my hardest to remember his voice. That's that's it. You got it. <laughs> you would not believe the week I had. So I was flipping through subspace radio stations, searching for some blood pumping tracks for my morning combat role practice. Mm-hmm. When some anomaly hits the ship and locks the radio to Tapon's radio program. About 10 seconds of that sends me into a micro-coma, and the next thing I know, I'm in the mirror universe! Oh, man. It's all connected. Come on. It turns out my mirror self was a total ween, uh, writer. This was unacceptable! So I took him to Mirror Kronos to get him danger laid. And by danger laid, I mean picking fights with random passers-by. Danger laid. Long and very exciting battle filled short story. He learned that the heart of battle was inside him all along. And I learned uh, that even writing is a form of battle and worthy of honor. That's true. It's too bad he had to sacrifice himself so that I could get back to the prime universe. At least he gave a cool that- thumbs up while he slowly descended into the lava. You buried the lead on that one. That's the story. <laughs> That's the email. Anyway. <laughs> I heard you guys are meeting with Freck in a few days. I've attached the hollow novel pitch. I'd like for you guys to ditch his way. Okay. Absolutely do not open and read this totally original and not stolen from Miradrax files before I made it to the interdimensional wormhole script on air okay. like it was some kind of encoded Romulan spy message. Wait, 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 wait. Is it? Uh, you have to tell us. It's the law. Yeah, if you're, are you a policeman? Are you a police Romulan? You have to tell you us. You have to tell us. It's, it's the Geneva Convention. I wouldn't want to have to launch a full-scale litigation assault on you. Hmm. Battle you later, you unidick-having Federation synthahull drinkers. Thanks, Drac. We Captain, love you, too. Captain Drac, SS Battleaxe. P.S. That's SS, not IKS. It's very spacist to assume that just because I'm a fierce and proud Klingon warrior that I march to the Empire's war drum. You bring dishonor to your mothers. (laughs) Damn, he got me, dude. (laughs) He's mad today. Let me open up this file and read it. All right, let's open it up. I mean, what could go wrong? Oh my god, it's so long. Okay, it's good. Pitch. See Pitch ya. It. Bye, Drac. <laughs> See you, Captain Drac. Thank you. Thank you for the email. <laughs> it could have been a Romulan thing, so it's good we did it. It's true. It. It's true. We were only helping the Federation. Yeah. It's secure. We're in the security now. I'm a big fan of security. Oh, for sure. Big fan. Uh, our next email is from Freshery. Okay. Who says, hey, Trek boys, came up with a Pitch It or Ditch It TNG episode a while back. (laughs) In the bath. In the bath? Yeah, he didn't say it a while back. He said in the bath. Uh Oh. 
I haven't taken a bath in a while. I have. I haven't taken a bath since I was an infant. I don't like baths, personally. I'm not a big fan. It's like you're sitting in your own crap. Which is fun, but not in a bathtub. <laughs> Here's the pitch. <laughs> okay. The sensors on the Enterprise pick up a large cosmic disturbance approaching the ship. As the crew discusses the event in the captain's ready room, Data chimes in that the disturbance is getting smaller as it approaches and that it is humanoid in shape. What? When they finally arrive at the disturbance, it is a 150-foot-tall pink alien floating out in space. What the fuck? Data, Worf, and Riker board a runabout and investigate the unconscious alien's body. Possibly its penis? Three question marks? <laughs> All right. The All right. alien continues to shrink until it can fit into the Enterprise, a.k.a. Riker size. <laughs> the alien thanks I needed to know that yeah he's like six foot five but okay the alien wakes up and tells the crew that's normal height six three six five it's pretty, yeah it's normal height yeah it's normal yeah. male height yeah <laughs> yeah uh, the alien wakes up and tells the crew its story how it was once normal size but a strange fucked up cloud passed over it and it began <laughs> to slowly shrink over the course of several months what is happening? It talks about how the infection alienated it from society and its family. It then shrunk so small it disappeared at an atomic level, lost consciousness, and woke up on the Enterprise. Wait, what? While Crusher and LaForge try to come up with a way to stop the shrinking, the alien is depressed that they have shrunk out of their universe and will most likely never see their family again. Data tries to form a friendship with them, and with a little quirky robot shit, the alien begins to take a shine to Data. That's cool. During all this, the alien continues to shrink, being played by a series of increasingly smaller actors, including a little person, because it's the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Little people were more 80s, but... When the unshrinking procedure finally happens, it seems to work at first, and the alien is elated. They and the crew go to 10 forward to celebrate, but the shrinking resumes even faster. Yeah. When Picard suggests trying the procedure again, the alien declines, accepting their fate, but thanking Data for their friendship and showing them that even if they fade away, they'll never be forgotten. I like this a lot. Uh, Also, the alien finds solace in the fact that no matter how small they shrink, they'll never be as small as Wesley's dick. End of episode. (laughs) Alright. You had me at shrinking. (laughs) Dude, the idea that, like, he shrank through his macro universe into our universe is yeah. wild. I fucking love it. That's like yeah, early I, TNG I love it too. Shit. I would change it to there. He, it's not a, a humanoid because that doesn't make sense to me. Like it wouldn't look like a person, right? Like I would have it be just like a cloud or something that was shrinking. But the cloud, excuse me, but the cloud is like a. <laughs> I don't like agree sen- with that. Sentient. Uh, I don't agree I, with that. I like the idea. That, that? I like that. It's like a very like seventies illustration yes, style idea yeah, that like yes. humans shrunk from its universe into ours. Yes, it's very seventies. Yes, and it's it's also like maybe a parallel universe type of thing. Right, right. That would be really cool. Like, I feel like this is early TNG crazy fucking out there yes. ideas. Yes, I would say that Data also like. He could talk to Data at one point. I'm just punching it. I'm giving some punch-ups here. Uh, Like, he could talk to Data, and Data could, like, kind of come to the realization that this alien is also an explorer, and that, like, 
he's shrinking through these universes, and at the end, you you kind of like give it like uh, like an open ended like maybe he is just going to another universe, right? Like they don't yeah. like he's not dying, right? He's exploring that universe now. You could actually I'm gonna punch it up one too. You could actually have Picard talk to Data at the end of the episode, and Picard... Actually, no. Picard's like, you know, he's he's an adventurer, like you said. Like, he's yeah, yeah. explorer, and he's fi- he's finding these new universes, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he'll meet new people in each one. Right, right. But he'll it's, it's definitely a shame that he'll never be able to meet the people and p- see the places that he saw before. Before, And Data yeah. can say, how is that so different from what we do captain exactly yes jeff yes i'm a writer now (laughs) you got it yes nailed it that's a good one i like that one a lot you're you're right though baby that's super early tng like super early tng uh obviously this one is inspired by the incredible shrinking man yes which is a great movie which is a great fucking old movie Its sci-fi plot and philosophical musings are perfect. It's a perfect scenario to adapt to Star Trek. Let me know what you guys think. We loved it. Yep. Keep on trekking, Freshery. Thank you, Freshery. We're getting real close to some copyrighted material, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Tapon, your email is so long. Tapon! You're You're not rich, sir. You can't. You write us in some pitch it or ditch it's to pawn, then we'll talk about it. To pawn. I understand that as a Vulcan, you hold yourself to a certain precise standard, but emails are not supposed to be this long to pawn. <laughs> Ensign Pennington, Ensign Henderson, Trek Boys. Given that the human new year approaches, I thought it well time to continue the account of my life. Mo Latinum is peering over my shoulder and in his words suggests that I give the chapter a flashier title. Something that will give them boys a taste of what's to come. (laughs) Ludicrous, but I will attempt to do so. (laughs) Chapter 2, The Continuation of the Account of My Life. Damn, you really punched it up, Tapon. Yeah, that's that's that screams. Let's read more. My quest to understand music had begun, and my first gig booked by an enigmatic stranger who was celebrating a homecoming for his brother. I secured passage to Oniaka Three aboard the USS Lollipop, the <laughs> Federation vessel of Captain Ben Beeler. It was a strange ship crewed entirely by captains. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> As Captain Crazy. Beeler showed me to my quarters, he explained that to have the best crew, he needed the best Starfleet had to offer. Hmm. As my eyes drifted to a captain on his hands and knees unclogging the sonic shower, I kept <laughs> my skepticism to myself. Good plan. When Captain Beeler left, the maintenance captain came up to me and said, Too many captains spoil the broth. I I corrected him, explaining that this was the USS Lollipop and that the IKS Baroth was a retired Klingon freighter. The captain sighed and left me to my rest. Okay. 32 hours, 16 minutes, and 17 seconds Is that how long we've been reading the email? We arrived. (laughs) Got him! 
We arrived in the Oniaka system only for long-range scans to reveal a Borg ship on an intercept course. Captain Beeler gave the order to withdraw, but I entreated the captain to let me go down to the planet in an escape pod. He did mm. not agree. However, the benefits of a ship full of captains is that everyone seems to think that they are in command. So I went down to the escape pods and asked the captain in charge to let me take one. He agreed this is, instantly. This is insane. Almost glad that someone needed him for something. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, it sucks. I feel like Tapon is the worst one, because I don't know if people listening know this, but I am possessed by the spirits of the people who send these emails, and that's why my voice changes. I thought we were listening to, like, an audio email. Of <laughs> Whatever, it's one or the other. <laughs> it doesn't make sense that he starts laughing when I laugh, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I, I'm not psychic, so it doesn't make much sense that I get uh, possessed. So sure, it's an maybe audio Tapon's, email. Maybe to yeah, uh, yeah, it, that's what it is. Yeah, sure. My landing was uncomfortable, not helped by the fact that my music device had stuck on "Crash and Burn" by Earth Poet Vanilla Ice, <laughs> and I could God. not reach the pause button. Immediately, I was set upon by a group of Borg drones who took me to a cave complex and to a young-looking drone. I am Tapon, I explained. Oh my god. <laughs> you, he replied. Yes, I confirmed. No, you. I assure you that I am Tapon. And you? <laughs> yes, like you, said the drone. No, what is your designation? Is this, I is this like a like who's on first, Borg? Who's it is it is you. <laughs> I oh took a God. deep breath. I am Tapon, me, myself. You are <laughs> someone else entirely. I appreciate the Borg are part of a collective consciousness, but do you have a designation? <laughs> I am you, he said. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, three further hours, made no oh, progress. My God. With sound equipment. I arrived at a structure filled with more aggressive Borg, led by a vacuum-molded artificial man named Lore. He was, to my dissatisfaction, no historian, but a charismatic, friendly android. He was expecting his wayward brother's arrival to be difficult, and had hired me to pick mood music to accompany their talks. A way to help his brother make the right decisions. The wow. task sounded daunting, emotionally understanding... Emotional understanding, not something I am best suited for, but I accepted mm. nonetheless, eager to complete this first job for this pleasant and caring android. <laughs> Lore's brother, a sullen and twitchy facsimile called Data, arrived the next day. He was angry and confused by his brother's appearance, and I started playing He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother to brighten the mood. I thought about abandoning the song halfway through when I did a quick assessment of the android's weight, but after Data and Lore embraced, I was satisfied by my choice. Hmm. Later, after the two brothers had an unannounced visit from three Starfleet officers, a conflicted Data expressed further doubts about Lore's plot for domination. I played an old Tears for Fears song, reassuring <laughs> him that everybody wants to rule the world. He seemed <laughs> bolstered by it. That is a great song, though. I love that song. Yeah, that song uh, like instantly time travels me to being a little kid. Yeah, like, it's if instantly. 
I used to ask people what song they thought was like the '80s in one song. That's that's up there. And that's everybody wants to there. rule the world is my choice. Yeah, that's there's a oh, there's that's a goddamn good question. Think about oh, that while I continue this. <laughs> okay, I have plenty of time. I'm sure to find out. You do. The, <laughs> the next day, Data argued with Lore and isolated himself to brood yet again. Lore sent me to play music directly into his room, but it was then that disaster struck. Mm. Meaning to play You Are Not Alone my by Michael, son of Jack, my <laughs> finger slipped and selected Paranoid Android. Galvanizing Data's doubts, I accidentally triggered a massive confrontation between Lore's Borg and Data's friends. John Larrick had fun fact of the day. That song is less time than this email is taking. <laughs> Got him. When the smoke had cleared, I found the Borg scattered. Lore's Starfleet enemies talking in the meeting hall with the annoying drone who was so confused about his identity. <laughs> I searched the complex for Lore, invoice in my hand to be paid, only to find him deactivated and still. My thoughts went uh, to Data. Who's gonna pay you, Tapon? <laughs> my thoughts went to Data, and I attempted to locate him and inform him of his loss, but he had returned to his Starfleet colleagues. Hmm. When I returned to the deactivated lore, I found that he had the rare recording of public enemies harder than you think <laughs> that I had asked for as payment in his pocket. I took it, and with one glance back at lore, and wondering if he should have been better served listening to the recording before going on ahead with his plan, I left the planet in lore's shuttle, reflecting on the relationship between siblings. <laughs> Live long and prosper, Tapon, Tapon's radio program, USS Tapon's radio program. Tapon, you had a day, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, why does all that sound so familiar, Tapon? I don't know. That sound, seems like you, maybe I've heard that or watched some of that at some point. Yeah, I don't somewhere. remember you being in that story. Hmm. Yeah, maybe he was just not there. Like, we didn't, the camera wasn't on him. Maybe. Yeah, the camera was always pointing away from him. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tapon. Thank I'm you, glad Tupan. that you got that cool recording. Um, that is a cool ass recording. Yeah. By the way, harder than yeah. you think is dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I had one nitpick, it would be that it lasted an hour. <laughs> it's been 84 years. <laughs> Well, you know, Vulcans live a long time, so their emails are really long. They got time to spend on that type of thing. You know, interestingly enough, this is a shorter episode than usual, even after all that. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good email, though. It okay. was just long. Yeah, no, no. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. Did you come up Thank with an you. answer? No, that's, that's, you might have hit it. There's a couple Cindy Cyndi Lauper songs that I would consider, but that might be a little too niche, right? Like, I don't know, Cindy Lauper was, like, number one hit maker. Like, I wouldn't say, I would say, like, maybe Time After Time. Maybe time After take, Time is very 80s. Take My Breath Away by Berlin is, like, super 80s. That's true. But, like, I, I don't I think... I highly, like, like, I attach Huey Lewis in the News to the 80s. Yes, yes absolutely, and yes. Like, yeah, um, we're the same person, hip to be I mean. square is like <laughs> so fucking 80s to me. Yeah, it is. I love Huey Lewis in the news, by the way. I would say, I would say that uh, everyone wants to rule the world, like, captures the zeitgeist of the 80s, like, oh, perfectly, for sure. though. Like, and it's a big enough hit that it, like, everyone knows it. You know what I mean? That might oh, be yeah. it. That might be it. 
Like, Material Girl is another one I think is, like, super yeah. 80s. Yeah. I, you could go, like, like Michael Jackson, right, and do, like, Billie Jean or something like that, That's too. true. But, I mean, it doesn't... It, that's sort of a more timeless song. It doesn't yes, sound exact, like the 80s. Exa- you could play it now, and it's, st- it's from the 80s, and you know it's from the 80s, but it's still, like... Prescient, like you know the, what I mean. The thing about Material Girl is it sounds like every teen girl's hit from the eighties. It sounds like a teen girl's bedroom. Like you walked into yeah. their bedroom, and if you could see the, if you could hear the sights, that's what it would sound like. It's like, um, although I would probably give that to um, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah, by Cindy Lauper. She did not write that song, by the way. Who wrote that song? Uh, I don't know the name of the gentleman, but uh, my friend went to college with his daughter. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, none of them wrote any of these songs. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Except for uh, Tears for Fears. <laughs> yeah, Tears for Fears wrote all their songs. They probably did. Probably. What's your favorite Tears for Fears song? Oh, my God. Uh, Not Shout. No, Shout is not my favorite. Either. I cannot stand Shout. I think Shout's okay. It's not my favorite. I've heard it so many times, I'm done. I can't. Anymore. My favorite is Head Over Heels. Head Over Heels is great. It also kind of reminds me of Donnie Darko now, though. Yeah, Head Over Heels has a great line in it that I'm sure confused many a middle American in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to be a man with a gun in your hand. Right. And I imagine Middle America was like, but that makes you more of a man. But that's like having a second dick that shoots bullet jizz. You can put your bullet jizz in anybody, and then they stop (laughs) bothering you. Stand your bullet jizz ground. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was the 1980s music cast. Thank you for joining us to pawn. Was that the last one? That was the last one. Oh, my God. That was the last, we we flew through a bunch of them and then we got caught onto ponds for. Well, a I guess while. it's good that Tapons was long because I yeah. you know. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody who wrote in. I'd like to thank everyone except Hoteen. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, Hoteen, go go fuck yourself. <laughs> you ho, you Hoteen, you Hoteen, Hoteen. What kind of name is that anyway? Fucking Poutine, get out of here. <laughs> Poutine ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to Manitoba, Canada, poutine. Oh, I know where that is now. Fucking brought it all around. Caught a callback, everybody. Look it up. Fucking Comedy 101. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a <laughs> staple around here. Comedy 101. <laughs> if you'd like your email read on the air uh, while we're, uh, I don't know, uh, transmitting this subspace... Star Trek thing, what the fuck ever. If you want your yeah, that's what we're doing. If you want your subspace message to be read on the air, send it to mclassemail at gmail.com. All singular, singular, no s's except in class. There's two in class. Learn how to spell and you'll be fine. (laughs) Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm screwed. I love each and every one of you who wrote in, and if you want me to love you, then write in. Uh, I also love you, and if you want me to love you more than Jeff loves you, write in. What? See what I'm doing here? You motherfucker. No one loves them more than me. Uh, I believe I love them a lot. Yeah, not as much as I do, bitch. Anyway, um... Damn. Uh, if you send your email into us, you will be better than people who don't. <laughs> That's true. I can agree with that. <laughs> 
Don't be afraid of it. Send us whatever. You can ask yeah. us any questions you want. What's it's your favorite Tears music? Yeah. What's your it. favorite Tears for Fears song? Yeah. Yeah. Tweet us at M Class Podcast with your favorite Tears for Fears song. As long as it's not shout. Actually, don't do that. Do like the last email we sent. No, actually, it'll be a week later. Yeah, tell us your favorite Tears for Fear song. Fuck it. We're gonna be like, what were we talking about? Yeah, like, why are gonna, they telling us Tears for Fear? We're songs? not gonna remember that this happened. <laughs> that happens a lot. Anyway. Anyway. Thanks for tuning in to M Class email, and we'll see you in one week with more M Class goodness. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>